Hey guys, we are pleased to say that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation charity. And now, a message from one of our supporters. I think having foundations like the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, especially this day and age, is very important because everyone is different and no one should ever be treated wrongly, especially lose their life because they choose to dress differently or act differently based on society's norms. Who are we to put such regu regulations and a regiment on who we should be as people? The whole point of being each other is that we are all different. And I think it's great that they're able to take such amazing steps after such a sad tragedy of losing, you know, someone so young and making it so that that doesn't happen again. And I know that myself, I will never treat anyone differently. To learn more about this wonderful charity, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hello, I'm John Briggs. You might know me better as the original voice of Siri in the UK and indeed the only male voice. And you happen to be listening to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Today, we speak to an inspirational woman who is a dialogue coach for Jackie Chan, has worked on so many movies all over the world. These are the Chronicles of Diana Wen. Maybe she could teach me some Mandarin. Welcome, everybody, to the 18th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Diana Weng. It is I, the beardy brummy Jamie, and joining me as always, as always, is this handsome devil. It's really funny because obviously you're currently saving some of the bits and pieces. So the way you're moving is not coinciding with the way you're speaking. So you were just saying, as always, in that very nice high-pitched, like, to make it a bit more impactful, but you were still doing the these thing from earlier. <laughs> so the way you were on the screen, I don't know if you can see it, but you were literally like, as always, but you're going, it's, it's just, it was very funny to me. Hi, guys, it's the Scotsman Tom. How's it going? The, uh, the these thing was way better this week, so you absolutely nailed it this time. I tried not to go full on like Amy Lee like last week, so you could actually the microphone could pick me up this week. Wake me up inside. Oh no, sorry, sorry, that's a completely different thing, isn't it? Super. I love that Super Twelve Stones. Remember Twelve Stones? Yes, um, they did the NX. No, not the Nexus thing. Yes, they did. We are one. We are one. We are one. In the unknown, what you? Good old uh, songs like that, but it's really weird. It's obviously having, but I was a wrestling fan since 1998 until 2021, RIP, um, <laughs> because I just don't give a shit anymore. It's really, I've started like unfollowing like all the stuff on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, so I just don't give a shit. No, it's right. fair, I, I, I read the results like I always have, but none of it's ever gone, oh, I need to watch that. I'm not surprised, you know, because they're just sell they're selling everyone. Fucking hell, let me start that again. They're sucking everybody off, but making record profits because apparently they can't afford to pay wages. What a load of shit. The only thing that's making me want to watch wrestling in the minute, and not sound like one of these fucking people on the internet lately, but is AEW stuff. Because some of the stuff they are doing looks incredible. Okay. 
There was a 20-minute okay. promo segment on last week's AEW Dynamite, and I've watched it twice. It was that good. Okay, that's cool. Anyway, guys, anyway. welcome to the Chronicles of Diana Wen. We are excited to get this episode out. This is an interview that spanned off of the Chronicles of Andy Chen. So uh, we're looking forward to bringing Diana into your faces tonight, today, tomorrow, this morning. This, whenever you're listening to this show, we hope you're enjoying it as much as we do recording it, don't we, Jamie? We, we have fun. We, have, we love doing this. We love it. We love it. We love it so much doing the recording. So right. We love it so much here on Taco Pod, as my friend Stefan calls us. Taco Pod? Because it's TCO Pod on all our socials. He calls us Taco Pod. There's no A there. We're not food. Stefan, who are you? What are you doing? Why are you making us Mexican all of a sudden? We're not a delicious Mexican dish. To be fair, enchiladas are the one. They are. I know your love for enchiladas. Oh, Jamie. Just, my record is nine. I've eaten nine in a row. And I, I'm not, I'm surprised at the tomato, like, passata sauce or whatever it was that started bleeding out of my eyes. With how full I was of enchiladas, it was insane. But it was the greatest, most... It's probably the greatest accomplishment of my life, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was so happy that I ate nine enchiladas in a row. I couldn't, couldn't move for about four hours. I was going to say, you couldn't just round it off nicely to get to that ten. Surprised that it's turned into a fucking enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> just finished the last one, you suddenly oh, fuck, I'm a tortilla wrap. Put, put, a, put a blanket over myself, a head lingo, and now enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> And ginger enchilada. <laughs> ginger enchilada. <laughs> um, oh. So, Jamie, how are you doing? I am very well. I have a day off today, so I've been a busy boy, been getting Woo! stuff done. I got the Christmas decorations down from the loft because they're going up tomorrow night. Ready right. for that bastard elf to return. Ah, uh, for Olivia. I was thinking for a second, I was like, why put your decorations on the 1st of fucking December? But of course, you have kids. Yeah. yeah. If it was my choice, they'd go up on the 24th and come down on the 26th because I fucking hate Christmas decorations. But I have a child, so I have to play along. So I, I don't mind decorating. The other half's going to murder me, but it's fine. I don't mind it. I can't be bothered with it because I, I did, you know, you're putting something up for all of what, a week or so. Um, and to go down again. So I never redecorate myself. It's not out of, I'm not like a bar humbug motherfucker. But I just don't see the point. Um, but I am going to go put the tree up with her and her mum this week. So I'm quite, I'm actually quite excited about it, to be honest with you. I suppose because when I'm on my own, I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't see the point. I was going to say, when you live on your own, what, what is the point? I never did, yeah. and I lived on my own. <laughs> so I, was, I mean, I don't live on my own, but I mean, I'm just a bit yeah. like, I just, I just don't see, I just don't want to. Um, no. Whereas doing it with the half, I'm quite excited. So I'm quite looking forward to that, doing that for our first time together. It's obviously the elf on the shelf returns, so I've now got to think of 23 things for this elf to do around the house. 23? Yeah, you do it up until Christmas Eve. Of this, the elf being naughty. Okay, you had some good ones last year. I did. I, I thought of my first one for this year, so we're going to see how this goes. I've decided I'm going to try and hang the elf from something, or I might stick him in the tree. So I haven't quite decided yet. With her advent calendar. But I'm going to Christmas deck wrapping paper, the living room door, so she has to break through it to get into the living room. Ah, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> but I realised we've got the, I realised we've got the cat, and the cat's like litter traced us in the kitchen, so I'm gonna have to like cut a little 
square out the bottom left corner so the cat can still get in and out the room. <laughs> you know she won't do that. You know she'll go straight through every other part. Oh, yeah, she's trying to climb it. and She's just going to rip a hole straight through it. I'm just going to find a cat-shaped hole in my wrapping paper in the morning, but still. <laughs> bastard. Just don't feed her dreamies. Apparently, <laughs> dreamies make cats run through walls. Apparently. apparently. Apparently the treats are that good, yes. Yeah, they can That's make up. them smash through any item, regardless <laughs> of its thickness, how it's built. This is a bizarre TV advert reference I've ever heard one in my life. So I got bitten by a cat today, just to let you know. It's because cats are evil. What the, the, other, cat the other half's cat. I was just I was stroking her. I was just stroking her. We just having, I was just having a nice conversation with uh, with the other half's mum. I was just stroking her because she was meowing at me to give her some attention. So stroking her as we chatting, and she completely bit my hand. Which made made no sense. It's because so, cats are evil. Okay. Anyway, but so yeah, no, you'll yeah. get you get the decorations down. Yeah, yeah decorations are down, so they're going up tomorrow. It's fine. It's December. I'll allow it in December. Just no more, no pre- premature decorating. I was at work, so I went back to work after my week off, and they were playing Christmas music. It was November twenty, like fourth, and I was like, "What? What are you doing?" What they were like, oh, but it's Christmas soon. Yeah, it's going to spirit. It's like, you realize, guys, that you're going to have to listen to this every day on repeat for a month. So, can we just have some normal tunes on for now to prepare ourselves for the hell that's coming? Is that okay? And people generally got pissed off with me because I changed it over. I was like, really? Why are you getting angry? Why are you getting annoyed at me? I don't want to listen, listen to Mariah fucking Carey four or five times a day for a month. No. So no thanks. I think I'll try and prolong it as much as I can. So, but the managers were like, "We're back in your time. Go on, go get it changed." Like, yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. But you've got a disadvantage: the fact you work in like a place with Christmas music on, because Whamageddon starts on Wednesday as well. Yeah, so that's the other problem. But the beautiful thing about the music we have is it's connected to an iPod, uh, a phone, so we can change it. Oh, just go take it off the playlist. Like it, like yes. it. I'm not losing one again in one fucking day because <laughs> I'm I'm off now till Wednesday, so I go back to work on Wednesday, which is the first of December. What do you know? How and I start. I'm on a late shift, so I start at half ten. So we've, we've been open for an hour and a half. What's going to suck asses? You know, I've got that. I've got that idea in my head where I'm going to walk in and it's just going to start straight away. Like, yeah, cool. Well, I lasted all of one hour. <laughs> Fine, I quit this fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> you made me lose one again immediately, you bastards. As long as no, I got sabotaged last year, so hopefully I won't get sabotaged again this year. That's illegal. It can't happen. It's not allowed. It's in the rules. Is it in the rules? It's in the rules. You can't. It, it can't get sent to you. So that's good. To yeah, know. that's good to know. I didn't realize that last year. Going to Whamhalla. <laughs> Whamhalla. I love that. Literally, it can't be sent <laughs> to you. You can listen to covers as much as you like. It's just it has to be natural. So you just have to hear it wherever you are. Just to be playing. So it can't oh. be like purposefully sent to you. That's cheating. That's okay then. That's okay. But there is one Christmas album that you have to play and have to listen to because our boy Braden Barry, Say We Can Fly, he released the soundtrack to Cup of Cheer this week. And I think I've listened to Flash the Mall Elf about four times now because it's just the greatest bit. I was a bit disappointed though. He's not put Cup of Cheer on there. Is it not? Oh, what was on there? The, the song that where they're baking the cookies. Yeah. It's not there. Oh. Because I've tried to find it and it's not there. And I'm like, why is it not there? 
Brayden, you've got some splaining to do. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little tired, but not as absolutely flat out dead as I was last time we spoke. Um, I've just completed a seven day straight stint again. Um, but I worked in a different store for three days and it's a lot quieter. So it was, uh, it wasn't so bad, uh, coming into the end of the week. Um, but yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm not too bad at all. I've got no complaints. I'm just enjoying two days off. Um, and I'm going for a house viewing tomorrow, which I'm quite looking forward to. Yeah. Like that. And we've just stemmed off a wonderful interview again, um, which is absolutely wonderful. But of course we had some bad news today. Um, for the first time in the Chronicles of Podcast history and our podcasting career, one of our interviews got destroyed. Yeah. Bloody computer. I've so, not had a good day with that one, ladies and gentlemen. We've had to skip and jump a week. Um, so, yeah, we'll be recording that again uh, next week and getting out to ASAP. So we apologise for the... Well, nobody knew who it was anyway, but we still we apologise uh, to Lydia and we will get her recorded and out as soon as possible. So Jamie, how have you been? What have you been up to? What's been going um, on? I have mostly been doing the Rhiannon. I've been doing a lot of Rhiannon on the uh, two till ten shift, the lovely evening shift. Oh, disgust! Yeah. Trey disgust, as they say in Francais. Yeah. It's not been too bad, to be fair. I've- Keeping busy, you know me. Um, but I did a bit of Christmas shopping, uh, online and in real life. <laughs> but apart from my dad, because he will not answer my question. You know, you know, you message them like anything you particularly want for Christmas, and then they just don't reply to you. Then you say, "Why didn't you reply?" And they go, "Oh, sorry, son, I was doing this." But he still doesn't answer the question. Oh, come on, John, what are you doing? Tell me what you want for Christmas, father. So, yeah. That's literally all I got to get done. Is my is my dad now, and I'm done. So I'm feeling a little less stressed out about Christmas now. So maybe I might start feeling a bit festive soon. I just need to listen to Shaking Stevens. I think that was all it is. So I don't. I haven't felt festive the past like two or three years running. It's weird. I haven't. But someone said to me, "Do you reckon it's because you worked in retail for like fifteen years?" I know that's probably what it is. <laughs> probably. <laughs> you destroyed all Christmas cheer out of me. Yeah, that's good. I want to speak to the manager. I want refund on this. It's shit. I'm not sure I understand. Siri didn't understand it either, to be honest. Sorry, John. <laughs> I, don't don't, I don't understand what the problem is. <laughs> I love the fake or Siri John there. <laughs> well, there's his job, Briggs. It is. Um, what else have I been doing? I watched a film yesterday called Chronicle. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. What? Who's taking that name, John? Joking. What film's that? <laughs> <laughs> I just realized what you did there. Um, basically, my friend Stephanie he, he nags at me to watch things all the time. Like he's got so much anime he wants me to watch, oh. but he's been going on about his film called Chronicle for about a year, getting me to watch it, and I keep saying I will watch it and then I forget about it. But yesterday I actually sat and watched it. It's pretty damn good actually. I'm kind of gutted I didn't watch it sooner. It's all done through found footage. It's really clever. So it's what's like found, what's found footage. So it's all. The way it's done is like, do you know like the Blair Witch? Have you ever seen the Blair Witch one? Yeah, no, I've never watched it, but I know what you're about. But it's like all done for a camcorder. It's like that, but then scenes where it's not them filming it. It's like security camera footage or this other person. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so yeah. it does. It looks like it's been put together through other people's camera footage. If I'm describing uh, okay. that right. Yeah, yeah. But it's really, it's really good, actually. I really enjoyed it. It's basically about three guys who find this thing underground. 
and it gives them superpowers. Oh. Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't want to spoil it in case you plan on watching it, but yeah, it's, it's really good. I definitely well, recommend it. Or anybody else. Or anybody else. <laughs> After this show, yeah. It came out fucking years ago. But the only problem about that film is because it was that good, they gave the director Fantastic Four and he did a terrible job of that film. So, Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. I never watched the remake. Did you not? No. I wouldn't advise it. I own it. I never watched it. I own it for my collection, but I've never taken out the box. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. But other than that, I've not really done anything because we only recorded last week, or like late last week, and I've not really done a lot. I can't think of anything else I've watched. Uh, oh, what am I about? I watched the first few episodes of Hawkeye, a brand new Disney Plus series, and off to a flyer, off to a fantastic start. It's Marvel, of course it is. So, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting anything less. No, not really, but no, it's really good. I definitely recommend picking that one up. And today I booked tickets for Spider-Man. Yes! Nice. There's too much in the news about that. There needs people to stop with the spoiler shit. Stop it. Stop yeah, it. There is a lot, but I'm so excited. And I'm going a day earlier than I originally planned. So get in. Nice. I'm, very, I'm very excited, if you could not tell. I had to go about a week after when every, and every man, woman, dog, child has gone to see it. So the cinema's not so packed out. It's nuts. I went to book free tickets for IMAX 3D for me, the wife and my sister. £49. So I was like, nah. So I booked it in for 2D and it was like £26. I was like, how are they charging that much? I just don't you think you get distracted by the 3D shit though. I'd rather watch it properly than in 3D. I don't need fake stuff flying at my face. I don't generally, but every now and again I'm like, for a big film, I'm like, this this could this could be good for 3D. We'll go the for 3D for this one. The only film I enjoyed in 3D was Guns of Galaxy 2. And you know where they're floating on when they get to Ego's like planet and they're floating yeah. and the ball the little ball things fly past Jax's head. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I don't give a shit. I, I get too distracted because I'm, you know, I've got some sort of fucking HD or something. I don't know. But I like, I'm too bothered about things hitting my face. I actually focus on the movie, so I'd rather watch it normally. That makes sense. But yeah, plus it's expensive as shit. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't, but I forgot how expensive it was. It's been ages since I've seen a bloody 3D IMAX movie. So yeah, so yeah I'm going to see that, and it's amazing, and I can't wait. What about you? What have you been up to? So what I haven't been up to is the question. No, I'm joking. Ooh, he's um, been a busy boy. I've been I'm doing a lot of Fifth Harmony, a lot of Rhiannon. Um, oh, yeah, remember the journal? Yeah, I remember, about, yeah, 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 work from home. Yeah, so um, we did a lot of uh, Rhiannon, of course. It's just like I did a set. Of, uh, I can't the words out, Jamie. I can't speak English. Not again. Um, I have been doing a lot of Rhiannon. So like I said, I did a seven day stint. Um, but obviously, there's been a lot of time in the half. Um, what have we done? Uh, it was my dad's birthday on Saturday. Um, Happy birthday, Alan. <laughs> or Bruce, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, for those that don't know, I have mentioned this quite a few times on, my, on the show. My dad is the love child of Bruce Willis and Alan Shearer. He really is. If you don't know who those people are, go and, go and have a look at who those people are. But yeah, Bruce Willis and Alan Shearer are the love child. It's my dad. So... Um, uh, we are meant to be going to our retrospective staff parties uh, Saturday, but uh, the other half fell insanely, incredibly ill, bless her. So I didn't go, and then she and I looked after her instead. Um, oh, so it, you little champion, you. What can I say? It was uh, nice to spend some time with her. I don't even know she was dying, bless her. She started to feel loads better today. 
Uh, it's not COVID. Um, so we did that. Uh, fuck me, what have I been doing? Like yourself, I'm trying to think now. We are so into 24, it's insane. Yeah. Almost finished the first series. We're about four off the first series now, and she's like hooked. I love it. I re- <laughs> rewatched it, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened. Oh yes, it's so good. So, been after loving that, especially after we spoke to Danielle Bergio. Mm. Um, that's out in two weeks, guys. Um, yeah, that was uh, so much fun. I just love it. I love that program so much. Uh, but obviously, Dexter's back, isn't it? Yeah, I never watched Dexter Bros. originally. So I'm on series four, so I need to catch. Apparently, it's amazing the new one. So I'm like, I need to catch up then. I need to watch the too many TV series, Jamie. There is too many. Claire, every time I have a conversation with Claire, she's like, "Have you watched this?" I'm like, "No." So if you watch, watch it, watch it, Dexter. You, I've, I've, I lose track of the amount of programs. Oh, I've started, she's I've started me you. Watch. I've started you. I'm on episode not seven of series one. That's pretty decent. They're good. I enjoying that. So much to watch. Um, so much to watch. That's too much. But Jamie, we have busy lives. We work and we do we this. Do. Yeah, so, you know, we don't have the time to sit around watching Netflix all day, every day. There is no joy. time to Netflix and chill. Yeah, exactly. Um, but off the top of my head, man, I can't think of anything. It's really weird. Like, I've forgotten. I think I've literally just been in every night. Just what? watching 24 with the other half. Uh, or recording with yourself. We just recorded a great interview before this. We did. We can't be busy all the time, ladies and gentlemen. We can't be busy all the time. Exactly. So we apologise for that. But We've got yeah, to we earn we, the cash dollar dollar. We make up for it with three chins, the journal and the participation challenge. So, you know. Precisely. So uh, if we're all caught up, shall we uh, hear from one of our friends? One of our sponsors? Yeah, one of our sponsors. Hey, Jamie. Do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just head over to www.staycosyclothing.com where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters, and much, much more. With a new fall line out now. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at staycosyclothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember, guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And now back to this week's episode. Hey, guys, it's Georgia Smith here, and I'm daughter of WWE legend, superstar Davy Boy Smith. And you're listening to The Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Oh, my Jamie. <laughs> I like that. Oh, my Jamie. <laughs> Time for Callum's Treachings. Yes. Welcome to Callum's Treachings. So, here we fucking go. So, Callum told me earlier today that he loves our faces. Oh, bless him. Right? His face. That's exactly what I said. Do you know why? Do you know why he loves our why? faces? Why does he love our faces? Because this week, ladies and gentlemen, Callum has sent four treatings. Yes! Special treat for all of you. So, without further ado, Jamie, what is Callum treating us this week? This week. Dropping a cup of coffee usually wakes you up more than drinking it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, yes. Sorry. Especially if you drop it on yourself. Well, Fuck yeah. <laughs> I've done that. It's not fun. Oh. It's not fun. I placed it. I was watching TV. I placed it on the armchair, on the arm of the chair. And I literally backed up slightly, which knocked it, and it went flying all over my uh, all over my area and my legs. Oh. And I was wearing shorts. It was not oh. pleasant. Straight in the cold shower. That definitely warm, woke you up, rather. Yeah, 100%. It went, <laughs> it went all up the wall as well. Weirdly, at the wall, on the other end of the room, I was like, how the fuck did it get up? But I must have gone, tick shit. Like, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What wakes you up more? Scalding hot skin and breaking your favourite mug or a cup of coffee? The mug survives, the oh, bastard. <laughs> the mug survived, but my dick didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily it left no burns, I think, because I got in the shower so quick. And I've never, I don't like cold showers. I don't like really cold water. So I no. couldn't have ice baths or anything. But literally, it was the greatest feeling in the world. <laughs> I could imagine, to be fair. Yeah, because I was like, fuck! Like, threw all my clothes off, just ran to the bathroom as fast as possible. Um <laughs> But yeah, Callum, you're not wrong. That definitely would wake you up more than actually drinking the fucker. Yeah, it really would. You'd be less wired as well. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, shall we continue? Yes, we shall. What else is Callum treating us this week? Erasers slowly sacrifice their lives for our mistakes. Oh, that's another, oh, that's another top shelf treat. That today. is a wonderful treat, the, the humble pencil sharpener, you sacrificial bastard. I love you. <laughs> Those erasers, the eraser when you rub out. Yeah. Did I say sharpener? You said sharpener, yeah. I meant eraser. I don't know why I said sharpener. You absolute melon. What an idiot. Yeah, literally, is there. It's, oh, <laughs> bless him. I used to get, used to get like loads of different shaped ones and colored ones. I didn't you? I used to love it. Do you remember you used to get the ones that used to say rubbed out pen? It just it only rubbed that pen because it ripped your paper to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> Does you I have I used to like chewing on it weirdly at school. I used to draw all over mine, so when you used to rub them out, it just leave ink all over your paper instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was foolish. I know. I used to poke holes in it with a compass as well. No wonder I did shit in school. I was busy fucking defacing pencil erasers. I just really like chewing on it. Like I used to like chewing on, on pens and pencils as well at school. I don't do it as much anymore. I like, um, you know, like lids, um, like Bic lids that I've got the, um, it's like really smooth. Yes. I like running that through my teeth. This feels yeah, nice. I do it. Yeah, so I weird. I do it as well. <laughs> I feel like but, every time we go to a stationery store and I actually walk past the, the uh, erasers, you're like, thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a top dollar treat right there. We, oh, Callum, I'd love when you come up with these things. It's so good. Let's keep the ball rolling. Jamie. What else? It's Callum treating us this week. When people steal cars in movies, the seats and the mirrors are always perfectly positioned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why is that? Oh, I'm going to see this car. It's going to be an exact weight height. You know, if the steering is in perfect position, I'm going to the mirrors. If it's just anything, I can just fuck up. I'll be fine. 
to it, yeah, whenever I've got in a car with someone who's getting in a car for the first time, they literally take t- 10 minutes before they get off and go, get the seat comfy, adjust the mirror, everything like that. No, not in the movies. Not oh, I hate movies. it when they borrow my car. They always have to move it. And I'm talking about it. And oh, I'm not I have to move anymore. my seat. Oh, now it's too yeah. far forward. Now it's too far back. Oh, fucking hell. Literally, where the, where the steering wheel is, the other half is like right next to it. <laughs> She's like, I can't see. <laughs> It's because it's like, to be fair, I'm surprised she doesn't have a yellow pages on her seat. But no. They don't exist anymore, do they? Do they not? No. Didn't actually realize. I knew that I knew they like, probably weren't as popular anymore, but I didn't realize they didn't actually exist. Anymore. Mobile phone companies have ruined phone books. They really have to. They just don't need them anymore. No. So, but yeah, that's such a good point. Like, how the <laughs> fuck is it already adjusted? <laughs> like, maybe it's set that. that way. Yeah, that was a great. That's that's another... a... But Jamie. We're going to keep going. I love it. (laughs) And finally, what is Callum treating us this week? If tall people only dated tall people and short people only dated short people, I wonder if it would divide the human race into two subspecies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. That's a film that needs making. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) 100%. I wonder if the kids were born would be like mediums. Like, I don't know. Would they be taller or... I know. I can imagine how would like, it work? Two tall people give birth and like they, their child is short. They're like shunned from the family. <laughs> like but Romeo I mean, and like, Juliet in heights. <laughs> when they get older and stuff, like would they be the same height or would they be like, how would it work? I don't even know. What, what age is the limit where they cut it off? Is to know whether they're tall or short. Oh. And what's the height cut off as well? Yeah, that's a very good point also. I'd say so, like six foot. That's my relationship, fucked. <laughs> yeah, you and the other <laughs> fucking hate each other. <laughs> that would be amazing. That fat needs making. That film needs that, making. You could make a really awesome version of Romeo and Juliet with this. You know you, you, know you want to write a screenplay? Yeah, I'm doing the hype version of Romeo and Juliet. There you sorted. Go. Callum, unbelievable again. He said that last one was a little treat for us. I was like, that I love really that. That's amazing. Is, that is a treat, treat right there. So I, I stumbled upon something today that I thought was quite treach-ish. So I esque, thought I'd bring that yeah. esque. That's a good word. Treach-esque. I thought I'd save it. No matter what form of potato you eat, whether it be a chip, a croquet, a crisp, your stomach will always think that it's mashed potato. What? Because by the time, no matter what potato you eat, your stomach's going to think it's mashed potato. Because while something's chewed and got down there, it's all mashed. Mate, up. nice. What do you think that your wife's self? No, no, I've thought it somewhere. I ain't that clever. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, that's a fair, that's a really good point. Yeah. All potatoes are mashed potatoes. You may want, want crisps, are you bastard? <laughs> Have you tried Walker's brought up fish and chip flavoured Walker's crisps? No, I've not seen them. Oh my God, they're delicious. Ooh. Yeah, they did loads of other ones as well. But um, my uncle was talking about in the wake. Of my grandma's funeral, but yeah, they did. I've got some fish and chips. I'm gonna eat them after this. I'm so excited. They it's are good. you see, I can see you staring at them now. You know, like, I can yeah. come to me, my pretty. It's like the lemon and scampi flavored knickknacks. I was never a fan of them. Delicious. But I haven't tried them since I was a wee nipper, so I would like to actually try them again. Yeah, they are wonderful. One of my favorite flavours. Oh, scampi crisp. Now I want flavors. crisps. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, Callum, thank you so much again for the wonderful way your brain works. We do not deserve you, sir. This is almost as beautiful as your Instagram pictures, sir. (laughs) Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. <laughs> Jamie. It's time for Tom's Journal. Yeah. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Welcome to another edition of my book. So, weirdly enough, because we see what's recorded today, I was like, shit, there's only two things in the journal. I was like, bollocks. There's now seven. We're okay. Oh, there you go. We're okay. So, I'll start off with my thoughts, then we'll get into the picture round. I think I know, Jamie, why most buses are late. Why? It's because old people always want to talk to the driver as they're getting off. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I, I love old people. Nothing against the elderly, but my, there are times where you can talk to people and that is not one of them. Nope. It's always the way that they're getting off and they go, thank you, driver. And then they go, oh, did you know my cousin was a driver? And then they talk <laughs> for like five, ten minutes. You're like, no, I need to get to work. Like, come on. <laughs> I love it when people thank the bus driver, but they don't call him thanks driver. They all say just they just say drive. Thanks drive. Where's the yes. I, I don't know. I don't know where, where that's come from, to be honest with you. Uh, but that's why I think buses are always late. Absolutely. I know they just want to have a conversation. I I totally get it. But there's a time and a place. <laughs> come, on. come on, Doris. I'm gonna make some money. Anyway, also, do you remember? Right, so you know, like all the big fucking um Watch reality TV shows that like Big Brother when I was around. Mm. But I'm a celebrity. Do you remember when they you could actually watch it live? Who in the blue hell would want to watch that 24 hours a day? Oh yeah, oh, I know, especially Big Brother. Yeah, you could like watch them sleeping. I'm like, why? Yeah, it's like a really shit version of Goggle Box, <laughs> and that's shit on its own. Yeah, no, it, I... no don't you dare. I love oh, that. No, I've touched a nerve. <laughs> But yeah, I know I remember that. Yeah, you used to like watch it live from the house and whatnot. I remember skipping past like when you flick a few channels, you're like, let's see if anything interesting's happening. Nope, they're sat eating food. Okay, but if they talked food. about any brands, if they swore anything, you couldn't hear what they were talking about. So you could see them walking around. It was just like, what is going on? It was rubbish. Absolute don't, crap. Don't know why that sort of shit existed, to be fair. They don't do it anymore, obviously. So Jamie, we're gonna move into the picture round. Okay. Of Tom's journal, starting with this. So, did Mrs. Incredible have labour pains birthing three kids? Or does she feel her water break, stretch her uterus to the size of a camping <laughs> tent, so the doctor could walk in, pick up the baby off her pelvic floor and call it a fucking day? <laughs> that is the most hilarious yet horrifying mental image I've ever had in my life. That's a point there, isn't it? It is a good point. Because you can stretch like you wouldn't believe, so... <laughs> I don't mean any offence to anybody who, if anybody's offended by that, but generally, you could, like, you know, the doctor just walks in and went, cheers then, baby's born. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need the doctor at that point. No, absolutely not. Oh. So this was just... You know when you have a moment where you see something and you go, oh, my... F- why did I never think of that? Like, why yeah. did everything, Jamie, this is insane. And it makes me look at movies and TV shows so differently now. If a movie character gets shot in the kidney slash side area of the body, they're required to keep it to themselves for a while. Later in the movie, they must open their shirt or jacket, revealing an alarming amount of blood, followed by another character saying, oh my God, you're hurt. This is law. <laughs> 
That happens get, far too often. Yeah, they get shot the side of the kidney yeah. area here. Yeah, every time. But they won't tell anybody. Oh, I like the ones where they don't even notice themselves. When did that happen? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like zombie, like in The Walking Dead, like zombie bites and stuff. They don't know they've been bitten and they go, yeah. <gasps> like a really shocking moment. <laughs> I didn't mean to not laugh with him when you first said that. My brain was going, yeah, that happens way too much. Now, yeah, it really does. It. it's always in the kidney area. It's yeah. shot in the kidney area or like the hip. <laughs> it really is. It's always that area. <laughs> Hollywood, come on, get some new ideas. So, this isn't funny. This is one of the most beautiful moments ever. A conversation that happened between Pink, the artist, and Cristiano Ronaldo, the footballer. Okay. Okay. Pink messaged Cristiano Ronaldo this. Hi, Cristiano. I'm sponsoring a couple of kids this year for Christmas. They want nothing else besides one of your shirts. They don't have much, but I'm determined to make this happen. Do you fancy sending me a couple of a couple and changing their lives? I know you do wonderful things like this all the time. Cristiano responded. Hi, Pink. I'm really happy to help. I will organize some signed shirts for these kids, no problem. Congratulations on making this happen. That's amazing. Beautiful moment. I thought that was beautiful. Uh, so do I. Because a lot of footballers, yes, they make a, a ridiculously amount of fuck ton of money, which they don't deserve or need for kicking the ball around. <laughs> moments like that make me go phenomenal. Absolutely beautiful. That's what it should be all be about. Absolutely. Like Marcus Rashford feeding kids. Yeah. He shouldn't, you know, he he shouldn't be the government should be fucking doing it, but he shouldn't be he shouldn't be. But the fact that he went out of his way and he got an MBE for it, Marcus Rashford yeah. again. Massive congratulations to you too. Incredible. People that use their platform to help others, I always tip my hat to. Fair play. Absolutely. Fair play. Absolutely. So, Jamie, moving on. Back to the hilarious shit. I've got a Christmas movie tip for you. Okay. If you watch Die Hard, straight after Love Actually, Alan Rickman will be punished for what he did to Emma Thompson. Yes! That has got to happen this year. Yes! That is amazing. I like that. So I was like, fucking right. Yeah, that's how it's going to be watched this year. That's amazing. And finally, this is going to blow your mind. Oh, I love these ones. Are you ready? Go on. So if plastic is made out of petroleum and petroleum is made out of fossils and fossils are dinosaurs then plastic dinosaurs are real dinosaurs. Yes, they are. Holy ass. That's amazing. I thought you might think that. Oh, I need lots of plastic dinosaurs now so I can say I have real dinosaurs. (laughs) That's amazing. How cool is that? That is amazing. And that was another edition of Tom's Journal. I do beauty. Thank you, mate. I thought it was nice, short and sweet, but I do love my book. I do love your book. It's a beautiful book. Um, and just to let you know, um, I've already got the piece. Oh, you've already got it? The piece already here. It's already here. Already ready to go. Well, before, you, before, we, before we get the piece out of its box, shall we hear from our friends at Syscast? Hi, I'm Frank Uyamili, and I'm the narrator for some wonderful audio dramas from Syscast, like Marty and Mars, Bounty Hunters, and a great part in Val Toby with much more to come. You can find these programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or head over to our website, 
www.syscast.com. We are excited to announce that we are now affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Now, let's get to this week's interview. Mr. Stevens, where has the piece been sleeping this week? Yes, I've got it out of the box here. It's the piece of resistance. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chronicles of Diana Wayne. Diana is the dialect slash dialogue coach for the one and only Jackie Chan. Um, this interview was bestowed upon us beautifully thanks to our interview with Sir Andy Chen. Yes, I said sir, um, because Diana watched our interview with Andy. It was like, I would like me a piece of that. And it was an absolute honour and a privilege to have Diana as part of the show. It was a wonderful conversation. And I'm so excited to reveal it to you all. This is amazing. And like you said, like you just said, this this episode feels extra special because the guests reach out to us, which is amazing. We do. That's, that's it. an amazing feeling. But no, this is so much fun. Diana's worked with Jackie since Rush Hour and continues to work with him to this day. And it's awesome. And, you know, she tells the stories of their little family, you know, that they've got going on this whole Jackie Chan family. And it's amazing. There's amazing stories in this. I, do, I, I feel the privilege was ours. You know, absolutely. To, to have somebody of, of her stature and of her come up to us and be like, I'd really like to be a part of your show meant the world. And I love it when things like that happen. Um, you know, just goes to show that if you really, really do work hard at things, you can achieve so much. And Dan, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you on. Like we, we loved it. And I'm excited for everyone to hear the stories um, and yeah, to find out more about what goes on in the world of movies, Hollywood and Mr. Chan himself. Indeed. Jamie, any final words? Just as always, thank you so much, Diana. This was absolutely amazing. It means the world to get to sit down and hear your stories. And we look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, Interviewing this week, she is Jackie Chan's dialogue coach, worked on many, many movies spanning all over the world. It's Diana Wang. Hello, everyone. Today, we are welcoming another very special guest. Today's guest is one unlike anyone else we have ever spoken to. Today's guest is not only a good friend with former guest of ours, Andy Cheng, she has made a name for herself by teaching actors how to design their speech and works very closely alongside the legend Jackie Chan. Working on movies like Rush Hour, Kung Fu Panda and The Karate Kid, she's also the only person we've ever spoke to who is brave enough to ask Tony Leung if he wants a dance. Today, we are welcoming you to the Chronicles of Diana Wang. Thank you. Sorry, can we go back to the, the, the dance part? What was that all about? <laughs> you mean who I asked to dance? Yeah. What, 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 what do you mean? Uh, I've asked many people to dance, but one of the people I asked to dance um, was the actor Tony Leung from the movie Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Ah, I knew only the name and I was like, why is it brave? <laughs> <laughs> so I was 19 years old. I was um, in Taiwan for an educational program. And afterwards, uh, a bunch of us went to Hong Kong to get to know the island. Yeah. Um, 
my girlfriend is a big fan of Tony Leung, and he was really famous. This is like 40 years ago, almost, or uh, 35, maybe, 35 years ago. He was already very famous then. Um, I didn't really know much about him other yeah. than my girlfriend loved him. So that morning I bought a poster of him and um, I was still holding on to the poster when we went to this nightclub. It was the Canton nightclub in Hong Kong, a very famous place where celebrities went to, but we didn't know that. We had just heard it was a popular place to go. So I uh, see this guy and I'm thinking that's the same guy in my poster. So I opened up my poster to make sure it was him and it was. So I went up to him and I said, do you want to dance? Uh, and he said he was drunk and so he didn't want to dance, but he was willing to take pictures and give us autographs. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, and so now the world gets to know his work through Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. What a movie, by the way. What <laughs> an unbelievable movie that is. I remember being in the cinema watching it and I was literally sat on the edge of my chair. My girlfriend was sat next to me. I was just on the, I, I didn't know I was doing it, but I was literally just like on the edge of my chair, just gawking <laughs> at the screen. She's like, are you all right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. What am I doing? Almost like levitating <laughs> almost. <laughs> He's really charismatic. Absolutely. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What a great story. I love that. It's a great way to start the show. I love I this. Just, I, know. <laughs> I just love the fact that you need to go down as the one woman who like asked the Mandarin if she wants to dance. It's amazing. <laughs> I know. And he turned me down. The nerve. Boo. Boo at you, Tony. (laughs) But anyway, we're obviously here to talk about you, Diana. So first and foremost, I want to know how your pandemic season was. Well, um, my family have been pretty healthy throughout. We've been very lucky. Excellent. But we have had extended family and, um, and friends who've suffered, who've passed. No. Yes. So it's something that is serious, and some people still don't realize how dangerous it is. Mm. But hopefully, with time, you know, as more people get vaccinated, maybe we'll all be safer. Fingers crossed. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes. Thank you. That is horrific. Did you? But still, did you? Um, obviously, while everyone was locked away, did you teach yourself anything new? Learn? Did you learn any new skills at all? I did. I did. Yeah. Um, yes. My children all studied Kung Fu and I've never learned it. So I thought it was time I learned. So my youngest daughter, who's 10, taught me. She taught me how to use a nunchuck and and the bamboo staff. And she was learning violin. So I decided to try to learn with her. It is not easy. No, I'm not surprised, but that's amazing. (laughs) It's not amazing because I'm not good. Now, if I was great, that's another story. (laughs) Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I bet you're incredible. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard. It is hard. Very difficult. I mean, who else can turn around and say, oh, what did I do in lockdown? Oh, I've got a 10-year-old to teach me how to do Kung Fu. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you know, uh, you know, I have worked with Jackie Chan for 20 years, right? And I was his dialogue coach um, from rush hour to the foreigner. And I've been surrounded by these incredible martial artists from all over the world. But it wasn't until I saw my children try to learn that I realized how hard it is. So each of these people that I work with have such an incredible background, but they must have really suffered in order to hone their craft. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. So... Diana, can you take us back to your younger formative years? What was your original career plan when you were growing up? What was it you wanted to be? 
Um, in college, I was an English literature major. So I thought I would become a writer. Um, but then I took a few acting classes and I became hooked. And so after I graduated from college, I got involved in theater. Um, I got myself an agent and started to audition for work. Um, my first uh, big film was The Joy Luck Club. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's based on a very famous novel written by Amy Tan about her family. Um, it was like the biggest project I've ever been cast in. It allowed me to get into the union, the actors union. And, wow. um, and unfortunately I'm not in the film <laughs> because oh. when I showed up on the set, there was another actor dressed just like me. And it turned out that we were, we were, we had both been cast for the same role. Oh, what? And the director couldn't decide between us. And I was the one who was let go. Uh, they told me my part had been cut and I could either go home or stay for lunch. So being oh. an optimist, I stayed for lunch, made some friends, got some numbers. Um, and the caterer was also an independent filmmaker. He uh, gave me a part in his uh, short film, which we shot months later. And there was a little boy in that film, and that little boy grew up to become the director of Crazy Rich Asians, John Chu. That's, That's nuts. That's amazing. I know, right? Oh <laughs> and one year later, I got invited to the screening of the film. I thought maybe they felt sorry for me. So I watched the film, and at the end, I got the screen credit. Yes. Not the other actor. And I think it's because <laughs> I was hired before she was. That's amazing. So, so to you, this day, I still get residuals for the film. And you weren't even in the film? Not in the film. No, just my name. That's wonderful. <laughs> I suppose you never got a, an email or something from that other actress being like, what the hell, man? Uh, apparently, you know, I was cast. So I'm a part of the, you know, the, the film, even though I'm not in it. But I was hired to do the work. That's so. amazing, to be fair. That's probably them going, yeah, we, we really messed up here. Let's sort Diana out. Let, let's Apparently, it's quite often. These things happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. So that is nuts. So before we discuss your work as, like, a dialect coach, and um, dialogue coach, for those unaware, what exactly is a dialogue dialect coach? So I didn't know what it was either. <laughs> um, my, my agents and managers uh, in LA, um, I had a whole team working for me to help me with my acting career. But my manager said, Jackie Chan has come to town to make the film Rush Hour and he needed help with his English. So I went into the meeting. Um, I didn't know who was going to be at the meeting, but uh, there was Jackie Chan and his entire entourage. And so my interview consisted of the whole team. <laughs> of like 20 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I figure um, they would want to hire me if my Chinese was really good. I speak both Mandarin and Cantonese, but not very good, either of them. Probably at a second grade, third grade level. I knew that Jackie was from Hong Kong, so I spoke to him in Cantonese. He said I sounded terrible. <laughs> he said my Cantonese sounded like I was in pain whenever I spoke. So I didn't think I was going to get the job. I spoke Mandarin to him afterwards, and he said it was better. But it was still bad. I mean, this is <laughs> but, honest. Um, <laughs> I was say. Yeah, 
yes, he, he's a very blunt man. He doesn't, uh, you know, he cuts to the chase. Um, but uh, but uh, I figure how hard could it be to teach somebody English? It couldn't be that hard, right? Um, and I didn't think I would get the job anyways, but they ended up hiring me. And so I went and worked on the film for four months in Los Angeles. And uh, being a dialogue coach means making sure Jackie knows what his lines are every single scene. He was and wonderful. <laughs> he needs to know what his co-stars are saying, which was really tricky because his co-star, as you know, is Chris Tucker, yeah. who improvises. <laughs> oh, just So that meant that Jackie's lines would change constantly, which totally drove him nuts. But no we did what we could and we just survived for four months. Every day was a struggle. It was not an easy a job at all. And when I finished working with him, I was certain I would never see him again. He did not enjoy learning English and it was a painful process to have to try to struggle through your lines through, uh, in front of hundreds of people. But a few months later, he hired me for another job. And then before I knew it, 20 years had gone by and I had worked with him on 15 or 16 films. That's incredible. I, I didn't realize that Jackie's English was like, he didn't really know English at all going into that film. I didn't realize that. He can speak very conversationally uh, with a ba basic uh, dialogue in English. But when it comes to having to speak in a certain way, to speak in complete sentences, and then to use words he's never used before with some conviction, it takes practice. And we didn't have the luxury of time on the film. And so we really struggled through the film, scene after scene, take after take, trying to get the one word right, one sentence right. Damn, that's, that's insane. Nuts. Yeah, but the outtakes. <laughs> oh, the outtakes yes, the outtakes scene. give you a glimpse of what the whole film was like. Yeah, because he literally, I think it's a scene where, he, isn't it, on the outtakes he goes, we must have curbed And then Chris looks like, you're right, it's for telling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. That's what it was like. Damn, I didn't know it was that. I mean, I didn't know Chris Tucker obviously improvised as well, so that must have been so difficult. I'm you can so only imagine. Uh, at first, after every take, I would try to explain to Jackie what he was saying, but finally Jackie said, I don't care what he's saying. I don't <laughs> care anymore. Because it just changed so much, right? Wow, I'm surprised that, that shows commitment because I would have I would have walked off. If that was the case, you know what I mean? I would be like, nah, I'm not doing this anymore. It was tough, let's just say. Very challenging for him. I'm surprised you didn't turn around to Chris at one point and go, will you just please stick to the script? This is making my life so much harder, man. Well, the thing is, Chris got funnier with every take. So it was enjoyable watching him, you know, make the scenes better. So it, it was an important part of the process. Everything he said was not in the script. It just got better and better, no matter what he, which directions, you know, he went in. Um, but I, it was very hard for Jackie, as you can imagine. That's amazing. So for this for this dialogue coaching and one on the training, did you do any training on how to teach someone or was this all just like you got the job and just went for it? Exactly. Exactly. I didn't even know such um, such an opportunity existed at all. I had moved from San Francisco to L.A. planning to continue with my acting career. Um, I had a whole team ready to go. I had a commercial agent. I had a theatrical agent. I had a manager. But suddenly this opportunity came up. And so I went into the interview, but I didn't expect to get the job. I didn't think I was going to get it. And then when I got it, it became a different shift in my career in a completely different um, direction. 
And uh, after the film, because it was such a challenging experience, I really didn't think I would see him again. So I was really quite surprised to be working with him again and again and again for so on so many films. That's a, I mean, and then I, finally, I could just accept that this is an interesting career. I didn't think it was going to happen to me, but I don't mind it. Uh, you know, I, I don't mind supporting uh, this famous uh, actor on all these projects he's working on. Would you not want to go back into acting yourself, though? Uh, of course, uh, I had moments of you know jealousy. <laughs> um, but I'm actually in some of his films. I'm in some of his films. And when I wasn't working with Jackie, I went back to acting. So I still have my agents. I still have my managers. Okay. I would just go back to doing acting work until he called me again. And like I said, I never knew when he was going to call. So how... Oh, sorry, Jamie. I was going to say, it was a case of literally, you could be doing anything and he'd go, right, I need you for this. You just have to literally leave straight away. You couldn't. Um, let me see. Most of the time, I had at least two or three weeks notice. But oh, one okay. time, I had only one week's notice. Yeah. <laughs> but most of the time, I, there's a little bit of time to plan. Wow. So have you worked on in Eastern movies as well? Yes. Yes. So how, I went to... So I was going to say, how different is it to do like Western movies to Eastern movies? Like how different? What's the context? Very, very different. So on an American project, um, or one that's shot in Europe, you can expect to be very well fed. You can, you'll live in a very comfortable environment. Yeah. Um, maybe a five-star hotel. Wow. Uh, you might fly business class. Uh, on a production with Asia, you can expect to stay in a one-star hotel. There might be mildew all over the walls. Um, there isn't a whole lot of food on the set. Uh, rarely are there snacks. You have to buy your own. There might be hot water for your tea. Um, lunches sometimes consist of a box. You don't know what's in it, so you open it, and then you that's all you get. <laughs> if you're lucky, you might get a second one, but most of the time you get one box, and that's it. Wow. And uh, in Asia, the, the crew is smaller, so people have to do multiple jobs, and so they're always in a hurry, running from here to there. On a Western production, I tend to feel a little bit more safer. I can just relax and have fun. On a production in, the, in, in Asia, um, I have to kind of pay attention and look around at all times to make sure I'm safe and make sure no one runs into me with their equipment because that kind of stuff happens a lot. No. Yeah. Oh, my day. Wow. Safety isn't always an issue. So what was it you were doing in Eastern Movie? Was that acting or was that also doing stuff with dialogue? Um, so in his film, The Medallion, which we shot in Ireland um, and Thailand and where else? Ireland, Thailand and Hong Kong. Um, that film, I was working as Jackie's dialogue coach, but suddenly they needed, um, they needed me to be in the film too. So I became an undercover garbage lady. <laughs> okay. Amazing. <laughs> so if you watch the film, you'll see me pushing a cartload of garbage in front of a moving vehicle. And because a car could possibly hit me, they gave me a stunt double. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's incredible. I was seven months pregnant at the time. Oh, yeah, definitely so a stunt double. Then. Yeah, definitely a stunt, get a stunt double. <laughs> but I was bummed to see her uh, get a little bit nudged by the car. 
Ready? You want to get hit by the car? Nudged. Yes, a little nudged. <laughs> so, what? Sorry, that in itchy face then. <laughs> um, <laughs> with the work with Jackie, like when you finished Rush Hour working with him, how long was it then until you got your second project with him? Uh, two months later, I got a phone call oh, wow, to go okay. to Hong Kong. Yeah. So it wasn't and long then. No, no. Um, and then from after Rush Hour, um, you know, I did uh, this voice job with him uh, on helping him dub his voice for old films. So we did that in Hong Kong on two films. Um, and then after that film, uh, that project, it was Shanghai Noon, which we shot in Canada. Amazing. That's so cool. And then it was one film after another. So <laughs> you... period, like 20 years. So when you say helping him overdub, was that doing an English dub on his old movies? Yes, yes. Oh, wow. So Armor of God 2, uh, which he shot a long time ago, um, was suddenly very popular and they wanted him to redub the film in English. Incredible. Has his, has his English got better over the years or is he still just I think so. he's not a fan? I think so. Because he surrounds himself with a team of international stunt performers. And so he's constantly listening and uh, practicing with, uh, with uh, his, his team. On the flip but side of that, what, though, you, sorry, I was going to say, on the flip side of that, you spend your time with Jackie's, your Cantonese got better. He says it has. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you learned me my Chinese, but yes, he says it has. I, I always tell him that my, my, my Chinese is like his English. <laughs> <laughs> so you train each other. Yes, exactly. So what exactly is the process of being a dialogue coach? And what, what exactly do you have to do like from, this, from the start, as soon as you find out you're hired on the job? Well, um, on the first day of rush hour, I went to his trailer and we went over his lines, what he's going to say and what his co-stars are going to say. And uh, after running his lines a few times, he told me I could go. But he was struggling with those lines. and He couldn't get the words down, but he didn't seem to care. He just practiced a few times and he said he was done. Now, you can't make Jackie do anything he doesn't want to do. What could I do? I can say, no, we had to practice a hundred more times. I can do that. I can force him to. Um, so it took some time for me to try to convince him to practice a little bit more. And part of the trick was to stay close to him and watch what he's doing and find moments when he seems like he might be in a good mood and then we'll hurry up and practice <laughs> until that good mood shifts and then he's in a different mood. Um, but yeah, it was, not, it, it was not something that he enjoyed at all. And so it, I, I try to make it less painful though. I try to find ways to entertain him. I'll give him credit Sometimes though. I would draw pictures on his script, uh, on the lines. Because I wrote out his lines on like cheat sheets and I would put little faces or little expressions that he might have when he's saying those lines. Maybe a happy face if he's happy in the scene. Maybe a sad face if he's feeling sad. And I would find different ways like that to entertain him. I like that. That's a good point because obviously it's not just the words he's got to learn. It's, it's the context of the words as well. Yes. And so with uh, the Chinese words, um, sometimes it sounded like English words. So for example, 我爱你, I love you. 
我爱你. 你, um, you know, sounds like your knee, right? So I may draw like a picture of a knee and then remind him. But of course, the other way around. So from English to Chinese. So I would find Chinese words and write them near the English words so they sounded similar. That would give him some idea. And that helped out a little bit. That's really clever. So when you're learning how to do this, obviously, as you said, you've had no training. Is it, is it like over the years you've just you've learned how Jackie learns, if that makes it? Am I, am I saying am I explaining that? Right? Yes. Uh, over the years, I learned more about him uh, because at first I knew he was famous. I had maybe seen a few of his films. But I really didn't know who this man was. And so I bought like 17 books to understand who he is. And that really helped give me an idea of his background. And then that gave me some ideas on how to work with him. It must be so much fun to travel the world. It's an incredible experience because yeah. you get to meet people from different cultures. We learn different languages while we're there because we're living there for a couple of months. And we get to know so many people on the set and many of them welcome us and bring us to their homes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful experience. And, and because I speak English, and Chinese, often I am a translator too. So I feel, I, and I end up becoming the tour guide. Yeah, I, I have to tell them where we should go, where <laughs> we should, um, and uh, what kind of foods we should try. And I'll, I'll do all the ordering of, on the menus because they don't know, you know, him and his team, many of them have never seen these foods before, never tried them before. So your work never stops, Rudan, does it? It never ends. No, no. And, and Jackie is very good about making everybody feel like they're part of a family. And so then he would, he would have jackets designed so we all look like, we look like each other. <laughs> so we look like a team. Yes. Yeah, Even so though I'm not a stunt member, I'm wearing a stunt jacket. You know, I'm wearing a stunt hat. We are part of his family. And that's what we call him in Chinese, his big brother. So we all really feel like we're a family. That we eat beautiful. together after a film. We, we eat together for breakfast and we'll get together and eat afterwards after a long day of shooting that is beautiful i love that that's amazing that's something i noticed with andy though as i was saying like i watched yesterday the new marvel documentary that's on disney plus about shang chi and i can't remember the exact word now but the director says like how do you know this and he's basically just like jackie chan like the Jackie Chan family, that's who we are. And it's like you could tell there's that that like you say, it's it's that family, that big team is one big family. Yes. Yes. Um Jackie is a very generous person. Uh, not only does he take us out for meals, but he's always giving out presents. Um he has things made for us with our names on on the our jacket sleeves with a little message from him. Um and uh, yeah, he's like a big brother. That's what he's known as in Asia, big brother. Everyone calls him that uh, because he provides. He makes sure everyone's working. Where? What's the best set you've been on? What was your favorite movie to work on? Gosh, there's so many. Um, and so many films for different reasons. But my last film with Jackie was shot in England. It was The Foreigner. Yeah. And I love working with the director. Um, I mean, I've never worked with a more incredible person. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the film yet. Yes, I love it. I love it. Yes. It's a great movie. Yeah. So when you work with Martin Campbell, who has shot two Bond films, you really feel like you are with 
and, uh, the best of the best. Yeah. Um, and one thing that Martin did that is so obvious, but so few directors do, is that he insists on uh, um, uh, having the actors rehearse. So we will rehearse scenes a few times before we shoot it. Um, those films don't have that luxury. We go on the set and we shoot. Um, but the fact that he insists on these often closed rehearsals allow the actors to feel more comfortable um, bonding with the other actor and just experimenting without the prying eyes of the cast and crew. That's and it's brilliant. Awesome. It's so obvious, but yeah. it's so brilliant. Being got the best performer, uh, performance from the actors. Yeah, I can imagine. But obviously, does, does Jackie still do his own stunts then still or not? Well, Am I um, to ask that? he does what he can do, and, which is quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but he, there are stunt doubles, yes. Because obviously, there's that in. scene in the foreigner where the uh, where the shop explodes. Yes. And he, he gets thrown. He gets thrown into the car, I think, or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just and there's the forest scene as well. I absolutely love um, when he's getting hunted down by that guy. Like, oh, just it, and Pierce yeah. Brosnan as well. Just what a movie. Jamie, have you seen the foreigner? I haven't actually. This you is one of those weird situations you've it. seen a film and I haven't. <laughs> yeah, it was it. wonderful working with Pierce as well. Pierce. Um, and Martin, they had worked together on a Bond film, so they had that connection. Yeah. But uh, what surprised me about Pierce was that he often liked to stay in character. He was really quite focused. Really? Um, I was surprised because he's such an experienced actor. I didn't expect to see that. But I remember uh, on the first day that we had to shoot a scene, I heard someone screaming at the top of his lungs, these obscenities. I'm like, who was doing that? It was Pierce. <laughs> and to get yeah to get him into the the mood he was yelling and screaming all these words uh, i was so surprised to see that it's amazing yeah, but but he did a great job when you watch a film you'll see what yeah, a wonderful job pierce yeah, did it's and really so i good. think uh, maybe staying character for a period of time helped him as you were talking about the, the director there, i didn't really think about that how closely do you have to work with the director well, pretty close um, because sometimes Jackie doesn't understand what the director is saying. That's so I have to make yeah. sure that whatever the director is saying, uh, it, it translates to Jackie's performance. And the director might say, I need you to be more emotional. And then, so I would then have to help Jackie get there. And sometimes it's maybe giving him some... Um, some ideas about what his character might be thinking or feeling to make him get there. And sometimes I have to just repeat those words to help him um, get there emotionally. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's so, it's, like I said, the more I think about this, the more layers there is to your job. Because when I was thinking as a like, dialogue coach, oh, she teaches him the words in English. But as I think about it, like you say, there's the context of it, there's the motion. If the director wants a change, you've then got to go, okay, then Jackie, let's go. Right. He wants this now instead. But how long before shooting do you get the script to prepare it? So how you've got to teach this to Jackie? I normally get the script um, probably a week or a month, depending on how, how much time they tell me to work on the project. So I have plenty of time. But the problem is trying to get Jackie ready. That is the tricky part. Because I remember one time going to Jackie's trailer um, and we're getting ready to shoot a scene, which he hasn't even looked at. And I walk into his trailer and it's full of people. 
just like maybe, I don't know, 10 people. And he tells me to sit in the corner. So I sit in the corner and I wait. And he's doing business with each person. And I'm the last person he gets to. And by the time he gets to me, they want us on the set. So he hasn't even looked at his catalog. So now we're <laughs> rushing to the set and he walks fast. So I have to like, you know, run after him, screaming out his lines, trying to help him memorize until we get to the set. And of course, he's not gonna memorize those lines. So we end up then having to do a take after take after take to get it right, which is why in the bloopers, you see so many variations of one sentence because he's not sure what he's saying. I love that. He, but uh, as we got to know each other better, um, then he was willing to work a little bit harder. And so sometimes I would have the luxury of preparing him a week before or even two weeks before. But it wonder. took time for me to get to know him and for him to trust me. Yeah, mm. I can imagine. But, you know, he sings all his theme songs, doesn't he? To his movies. In Chinese films, yes, he often yeah. does. But yes, I, I believe in The Foreigner, he also sings a, a song too. It's incredible. A Chinese song. Really good. But I'm not sure that you can hear it in the American version, but in, in, in China, you can hear it. I just got, I went on YouTube and just watched a few of them and they're phenomenal. They're really good. <laughs> his voice is, is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know whether you know his background, but he actually grew up in the Beijing Opera School. So Beijing Opera is a style of singing. So in Beijing Opera School, they learn martial arts, they learn how to sing, they learn how to act. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. So if you Google Beijing Opera, you'll understand um, how he grew up. There are a few films out there like... Um, Painted Skins and uh, Farewell My Concubine. And these films gives you an idea of his childhood. And when I've asked him about those films, he says that his childhood was even more brutal than depicted in those films. And it's pretty brutal in those films. So if you ever have a chance to watch those films, you'll get an idea of how Jackie grew up. Wow. I'll try to find, hunt those down. That's amazing. Is it still like that today? Because that sounds very traditional, but is it still like that today as far as you know? It is actually, it is. Because when we were filming the movie Karate Kid, um, we shot at a, a Kung Fu school. And in this school, um, there were hundreds of children. And these children lived there seven days a week with no parents. Only Whoa. the masters take care of the children. Yeah. So from morning to night, these children are practicing Kung Fu. And I saw a few kids and one of them was only three and he was carrying his own laundry. He had just washed his own laundry. So it's a bit brutal, that kind of environment. But some parents, um, you know, I think uh, they think it's good for the child. They think it, uh, or, or maybe they don't have a choice. Maybe they have to work in a different city and they have nowhere to leave their child, so they leave them in a school like that. Wow. Just about convinced my daughter to take her plate into the kitchen after dinner. She's got some... <laughs> I need to step up my game. <laughs> Did you guys see the film, The Karate Kid? Uh, quite a while ago. It's been a while since I've, I have seen it. A mm -hmm. little while ago, though, yeah. yeah. I apologise. So there's a, there's a moment where you see all these kids practising um, Kung Fu, and that is the school where we filmed at where those little kids live, live there. That's just nuts. So and I, do I, 17 hours of Kung Fu. 17 hours. 
something like that. Yeah, morning to night. Oh, wow. I'm just blown. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's made me speechless. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, just, yeah. I was obviously like, that's culture. That's the culture over there, though, isn't it? So, it is know. a culture. It is. It is. It's, yeah. uh, it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I love it. I love learning about new things. Just, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to go to China one day. I really would love to experience it. Oh, so you should go. Life. You really should go. Same. I'd love to go as well. Get on the list. <laughs> it's an eye opening experience. I can imagine. I can imagine. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Have you worked with other actors doing this, or do you just just work with Jackie? So in the film, The Karate Kid, uh, there are children in the film, and they didn't speak English, and they didn't know how to act. So I had to help them too. And uh, I was told that Jackie's role wasn't that big, so I could I help the children? Of course, I didn't mind. And so it was a great opportunity to work with kids um although it's a bit tricky because um children you know have their good days and bad days <laughs> and um they're uh you know they can be rather immature right and they have to work long hours too and um and so we have some moments where it was a little bit tricky i don't know if you you saw the film right you both saw the film yes yeah I've, so I've there's seen, a yeah. scene that takes place in the park and uh, Jaden is um, fighting with uh, the bully uh, over a girl, right? Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Vaguely, yes. yeah. Yeah, but when we're shooting that scene, that girl was a little bit of a handful, and she would sometimes scratch the bully, and he would show me the scratches on his hand. He's like, why is she scratching me? <laughs> like, this is what happens when you work with kids. You have to deal with these kind of things. Like, yeah. no, 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 you don't scratch. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> But yeah, so I helped out those children in the film. Um, for Chris Tucker, uh, he had to learn Mandarin. So I've helped him with his Mandarin in Rush Hour. Amazing. And he also had to learn some Spanish. So I've helped him with his Spanish as well. He speaks Spanish as well? Pequito. Oh, okay. <laughs> I learned a few years in high school. Wow. It's That's just, awesome. It is, it is awesome. I mean, I It's required in, in the U.S. We have to learn a different language. <laughs> I struggle with English most of the time. So just people can speak more than one language. I always admire that. Do you, well, especially um, living here in California, there are a lot of Spanish speakers. Yeah, I suppose it's quite, um, yeah, uh, Latino, isn't it? There's quite a mix, uh, quite a mixture in America, mm-hmm. I think, isn't there? Uh, so it's, it's, that's cool. I mean, we have quite a lot uh, mixture here. It's quite diverse. I like it. I like that all the different cultures all mix again. It's just, it's nice. Mm. Yeah. So, but I'd like to get out of here and go and experience you know, over there rather than over here. So. <laughs> Hopefully you will. Fingers crossed. So when you've worked with these other actors, is it a similar process as the one you take with Jackie or is it everyone has a different way of learning? Yes, everyone is completely different. Uh, Chris Tucker, uh, I don't know if you remember this, for Rush Hour, only had two sentences to learn in Mandarin yes, and he did. really struggled. <laughs> those two sentences he really could not get the words out which is why i made it to the bloopers because jackie watched him struggle with two sentences and then he made fun of them he says you only have to say these two sentences but i have to you know speak english for the entire film yeah yeah <laughs> so it was really funny um when they use that in the blooper because uh i think it gave the audience a chance to see how hard it was for jackie so but yes, every every actor is different. Uh, when we work with uh, Don Cheeto on Rush Hour 2, he had to learn to speak Cantonese. 
And I don't know if you remember Don Cheeto doing a fight scene with Jackie, but he had to do this whole scene where he had to fight and he had to speak Cantonese, which is very difficult. Um, but Don is one of those actors who really works hard and does his homework. He was in the middle of making another film, but when he knew he had to do Rush Hour 2 and he had to do this scene in Cantonese, um, he wanted to meet with me uh, and to practice the lines. So I brought along another uh, coach to help me because I was too busy with Jackie. And so we met with um, Don, who then practiced those lines while he was working on another film so that when we shot his scene for Rush Hour 2, he was perfect. That's amazing. Dedication. Yeah. Play. Fair play to the man, yeah. Yeah. So I, sp- I suppose things like that, where they've, they've learned the lines, it's, it's making sure they've got like the pronunciation right and all that and the way they're saying it. Yes, yes. And even Jaden. Jaden had to learn to speak um, Mandarin in Karate Kid. I don't know if you remember that scene where he goes to uh, the girl, the love interest's father and, and, and reads a letter uh, accepting apology and uh, we're hoping to he, the father would uh, accept his apology so that he could, um, uh, you know, be friends with the the, the girl, and uh, he also worked hard on his lines. That's that's fantastic. I like the dedication to the cause. Um, do you, other than Jackie Chan, obviously, and other than the movies that he's been in, do you dial a coach for anybody else at all that's not associated with Jackie Chan at all? Um, I have actor friends who sometimes call me up. And they want me to help them say a line or two in Chinese or maybe in Spanish or in English. Yeah. And so, yes, I have help friends uh, that way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, outside of the movie world, though, Diana, what do you like to do with yourself? What do you like to do? Um, I'm a mother of three. Wonderful. So I'm very busy with my children. Um, each of my children have come to a uh, set with me to work on the films. Really? Yes. So when I was working on Medallion, I was pregnant, right? Yeah. And uh, when I was working on um, Around the World in 80 Days um, in Thailand, I was pregnant. I went back to the U.S., gave birth, and then uh, went to Germany to film to finish a film with my one-month-old. That's amazing. Could talk about Don Cheadle's dedication. There's some dedication right there. For sure. For sure. Uh, pumping your milk on a set with 200 extras is no fun, but it had to be done. It had to be done. And, yes. And I gave the milk to uh, an assistant to the director who brought it to a driver who brought it to a different location and then gave it to my husband who fed the baby. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and when I worked on uh, Rush Hour 3, we were in Paris for one month and Los Angeles for six months. So I brought my 11th month old baby, my second child. And so he was on a film set for seven months. That is amazing. That is <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, but what else are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I just get this image. But yeah, taking care of my children requires a lot of work because they're all very busy doing different things. So I'm always driving them around. I'm their chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> I just get this image of you on set being like, Jackie, we need to, uh, Chris Tucker, hold this baby. <laughs> 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 Oh, yes, they, they've all been really sweet. Having a baby on a film set definitely makes everyone happier, I think. Okay, um, but I know a lot of people in this industry, so I'm always helping people. I'm always connecting people. Um, 
uh, whether it's finding actors for a project, it's you know also involves uh, looking for investors sometimes or producers. That's awesome. amazing. I imagine you've met and like gained these connections with so many people over the years of all the different yes, sets. Yes, you can you've been imagine. On. Yes, on every film I work on, I must know at least four hundred people. And part of the reason I have to get to know everybody is because Jackie cannot get to know everyone because he is focused on his work. But he's curious. He wants to know who that person is and who's that person and what does that person do. So my job working with him is always to know who's who. And I always have to have a caution with me and tell him, oh, that person's in the art department. Um, oh, you have a problem with your shoes and let's bring it over to you know, your dresser and talk to the costume designer. So it's important for me to know who everybody is. And it's great because uh, years later, I'm still in touch with many people. And so whenever I have films going to a different country to film, I can then connect them with people who can help them. That's so cool. I now I just love the idea that you're Jackie's little gossip person. Like, go find out what's <laughs> happening on set. Go on, get me some gossip. Well, you know, <laughs> it can be entertaining, that's for sure. <laughs> um. So I received a question from uh, from a fan, Helen Barrett. She wants to know, uh, as an old Chan fan, uh, she remembers the bagel cam during the shooting of Tuxedo. Uh, she said it was such fun times and a great opportunity for us mere mortals to interact with Jackie, although he did tend to sail past most of the time. Um, are there any funny tales from those days? Yes. Um, so, yeah, that was really fun. Uh, they came up with this idea of having a little camera set up and Jackie or any other actors could just interact with fans. Um, but Jackie really enjoyed having that kind of connection. And it actually started um, on the film Shanghai Noon. On Shanghai Noon, um, the publicist said he and Owen should have a diary and they should share with their fans online what they're doing every day on, on the film. Yeah. And it was one way to publicize a film, but also an opportunity for them to share their life. Um, Jackie really enjoyed it. He really enjoyed sharing what he was doing every single day with his fans. Um, so Owen did not like it so much. <laughs> I think he what? thought about it, but totally was not into it. So only Jackie did it. But Jackie liked it so much. We did that for years, for years. On every film, he decided that he wanted to have a diary and share that with the fans. So for Tuxedo, it was, you know, um, having the camera was just an extension of that. Uh, give, sharing a piece of his life that day, that moment with his fans. So I helped Jackie uh, write his uh, blog for years. Oh, really? Yeah. Sometimes as myself, sometimes as him. <laughs> sometimes he's just too exhausted to tell me, to dictate to me. So then I'll just watch what he's doing and then write from his perspective. That is so cool. That's really cool. Um, she also wants to say one more thing to you as well, which was just a side note. We can tell she's been working well on him. His Changlish is getting, a, is getting way better. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Is that Changlish? Changlish. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I like that. But like I said, when we went into this, talking to you, like we knew you helped him with his dialogue, but... It's, we're sort of realizing you, you're so much more to Jackie now. Like the amount of things you do for him, it's, it's quite amazing. I could see how you're all like this little family. And it's not just me, it's everybody in his team. Like there is, there really, there's no boundary in, in his team. We are really, we move as a unit. And um, I, at first I wasn't, I wasn't 
quite uh, used to this kind of world, you know, because I'm from America and we're used to you do your job and you do it well, and that's it. You don't do anybody else's job. But Jackie, coming from Asia, have a different mentality is we work together to get this done, no matter what it takes. So I found myself doing many different things, including being his bodyguard. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any martial arts training at all. I watch these people work and they're incredible, but I can't do a single thing uh, other than what my high school teacher taught me in self-defense class. But when we were filming um, uh, The Karate Kid, uh, we were on, on a very busy set and there were hundreds of people uh, in China. There was this man who started walking towards Jackie and his eyes were just like focused on Jackie's eyes. And uh, Jackie was just sitting there and I was next to him running lines and his assistant was next to him. But we never know when someone comes up to Jackie who they are. They could be an old friend. They could be you know, a colleague from a project, whatever. We don't know. So we watch this man come close to Jackie, but we're not sure what he's about to do. And he puts his two hands on Jackie's arms and just stares into his eyes. And Jackie does nothing. So I realized that we had to do something. Yeah, so yeah. I grabbed one arm, his assistant grabbed another arm, and we dragged him off the set. <laughs> we had to do what, was, what needed to be done. <laughs> But I was like, my God, what if he like punched us? I'm not sure we would know what to do if he, he did that. Did you ever find out who he was? He was just a crazed fan who got in, who got on the set. Oh my yeah. God. And he, he looked at him like he, he was in love with him. Just, you know, locked eyes and, and just was mesmerized. Oh my God. And afterwards, Jackie said, I probably could have done this and that and that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, but, but he didn't do any of that. He just sat there very quietly, letting this man stare at him. Wow. Yeah. That's a little bit creepy. I'm, I'm pleased you were okay as well. Good work. Great work. Thank guys. you. Thank oh, no. you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but wow. That's, does that happen quite a fair bit at all or not? You know, I've worked on many films and most of the time his stunt team surrounds him. And so they make sure he's safe. And I don't have to really even pay attention. But obviously as time went by, his team isn't always there. So I realized that when I'm next to Jackie, I also have an, another role to play, which is to keep him safe. And, um, and fortunately, you know, um, no one ever tried anything else. Good. Good. <laughs> that was the one time that I had to deal with that. Well, your kids are teaching you now anyway, Diana, so you know, <laughs> you know a thing or two now. I was going to say, next time yes, you'll be sorted. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, he's trying to teach me, but really it's not easy. If you, you've never learned these moves, it, it feels strange to even try to do a punch or a block or anything like that. Their skills are insane. Absolutely. So are you trying to tell me that a 10-year-old taught you Kung Fu better than Jackie Chan did? My daughter uh, studied it for <laughs> six years. Really? So she started when she was four, right? Wow. And think okay. about it. Yeah. If you start very early, it's like breathing, right? Yeah. It becomes very natural how to use a nunchuck how to use a staff. And when you're doing it, you know, hours throughout the years, you become quite good. So my 10 year old is pretty good. <laughs> Amazing. We know what she's going to do when she grows up. <laughs> and more importantly, she has the patience to teach me because you, you need patience to teach. Yeah, my, my daughter's four. I don't trust her with an unchuck. No way. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be surprised. With a good instructor, she will learn and then she'll teach you. There you go, Jay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little protector. I like that. <laughs> exactly. You're a bodyguard. 
<laughs> now, obviously, you've not only worked with Jackie on live action, you've also worked with him during animation on like Kung Fu Panda. And I saw you worked on Lego Ninjago movie. Is it the same process that it would be for a live action movie during animation? Or is it a lot more relaxed? Because obviously you're just in a recording booth, aren't you? Yeah, it's so much more relaxing. It's so much more comfortable. But at the same time, it's very intense work because normally they want him to record for maybe an hour and take a break uh, and then do it for a few days. But Jackie is a very intense person. And so he doesn't want to take a break. He'll work three hours or four hours and not take a break. Um, and so as a result, even though it's more comfortable because we're in a, you know, a small room, it's warm, we have food and we have something to drink, but he's so intense, he wants to get it done. <laughs> and so there may not be a bathroom break or a water break because he wants to get through it. Um, so in that, in, that, in that sense, it's a little bit more, um, I guess, more intense you know, when we work in, in that capacity. But I enjoy it because I'm so comfortable, you know, I, my, my, my shoes are covered with mud and horse, you know what, yeah. um, you know, which, which was often the case on Shanghai Noon. You know, working on a Western, it's beautiful, but messy, messy, because you're going to be covered and splattered with mud all day long because we're working with horses. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a different experience, um, but the actual work itself, him speaking, him trying to get the words down is still the same, right? He's still struggling with speaking in a certain way that he's not used to, using words that he's never heard of. So with his, so the way he works and how intense he is, do you have to then match that? Can you not go, you know, if you're desperate for the bathroom, whatever, but he's like, no, I want to keep going, I want to keep going. Then I take it you have to carry on as well. Do you? Um, that is true most of the time. But when I'm pregnant, then I beg. I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. You need to take a break. <laughs> but, but normally when I'm not pregnant, I don't insist upon it. You know, I try to go through it as well. Yeah. But when you're pregnant, you, you really can't. You got to go. You got to go. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. So when we've done it and I've been pregnant, I've, I beg for more bathroom breaks. <laughs> <laughs> Is there some things that to this day, like Jackie still struggles with or has he managed to get the majority of it down now? Well, even though he's surrounded by people who could, you know, practice English with him, the reality is he really doesn't care to speak it just right or just perfectly until he's working on a film. So you know, after he speaks a certain way for the film, he goes right back to speaking the way he normally would. Um, so although his vocabulary has, you know, increased over the years, I still notice him making the same mistakes because, you know, year round, um, no one feels the need to really push him to speak any other way until he's in front of the camera. Um I just wanted to also pass on the condolences for the loss of Brad, Brad Allen, back in August. Um, yeah. That must, that, that must have been horrific. Devastating and shocking because he's just too young, 48 years old. Yeah, too young. too young. I first um, met him on Rush Hour and worked with him on so many films. Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3, Medallion, Tuxedo. 
um, yeah, he's just such a special man. He, he was uh, very spiritual and very, um, had high standards and uh, really cared about morality. And whenever you were with him, you really felt like um, he was such an upstanding person. You know, he really, uh, he carried it in his body as well. Uh, unlike a lot of people who just kind of relax when they're not filming, he's always at attention. He's always paying attention. He's, uh, his body language tells you so, and he's always alert. Um, that's why I never really had to be, you know, a bodyguard for Jackie, really, because whenever you have a whole stunt team, you know, yeah. like Brad, you know, um, they're taking care of Jackie. So I don't have to. But yeah, it's just a shock. This is a huge loss for all of us. But what a beautiful legacy he created, you know, nice. the wonderful action of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And that is going to live on. And his beautiful daughters and wife will be able to enjoy his work for years, years now. Absolutely. Yeah. And he spoke really highly of him as well. He sounded like the nicest guy. Yes. Uh, there are very few people that you meet who leave such a strong impression. And Brad is definitely one of them. Because when you meet him, you just feel like um, he, just by being friends with him, you feel like he elevates you. You know, he just, yeah. because he holds himself to such a high standard of um, moral behavior and, um, you know, of excellence, you feel like you have to do the same. And although I don't do action, um, I watch him and I watch how he interacts with the team. Um, and everybody respects him. Everybody does. So obviously a man that came from, he came from Australia, didn't he? And obviously he did, yes, the way, yes, but he learned ways. Chinese, he learned Cantonese, he learned Mandarin, he um, learned martial arts in, in China. And so when I met him, I was like, he looks white, but he really acts Chinese. <laughs> he really does. He, he's like more Chinese than the Chinese. <laughs> that is incredible. Yes. I love Fair that. Play, Brad. Fair play, wonderful. What a wonderful human. To me. So when was the last time you worked with Jackie? On The Foreigner in London. What year was that now? Four years ago, I think. Four years ago. Mm, yeah. And Brad came to visit us. Oh, no way. Yeah, because he was also filming. He was filming Kingsman 2, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I love yeah. That. So he came to visit us and he brought his stunt team and Jackie invited his stunt team and, and his uh, the two stunt teams to get together to, to meet. And it was a wonderful... Um, Gathering. That is incredible. Yeah. So obviously we mentioned, we spoke earlier about your own acting career. Um, are you are you still trying to get roles in acting now? Um, these days I'm just so busy with my family that I've kind of put a pause on it. Uh, I told my agents, I just don't have time to go to auditions anymore. Um, but a few friends have occasionally put me in their independent projects, which I've done. But most of the time, I'm just kind of focused on the kids. But maybe someday. But like I said, I'm in the position to help a lot of people. So I often do that. I counsel people. I connect people. I try to find uh, various talents for different friends' projects. I noticed that on social media. I do love your posts. I thoroughly enjoy them. Because mm. obviously, one of the team did the camera work for June, the new June movie. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. it's wonderful. Um, the Dan Tran uh, was part of Jackie's stunt team on The Foreigner. And yeah. so he is part of the action team for Dune. So it's so exciting to see. 
Yeah, it was great. I'm not a big sci-fi fan, but my days, that movie was unreal. Mm. <laughs> it was really Beautifully good. done. Beautifully oh, done. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Stunning. Yeah. But like, so that, like Tom said, your social media, it takes us back again to that, that family thing. Because like he says, all your posts are, oh my God, congratulations to this person. Well done to this yeah. person. It's amazing to see. Like, it's the amount of well, praise between you know, As an actor, I know how hard it is for, you know, my community to get work. And so when they finally do get work, I feel like I have to praise them. And because I have a huge network, whenever I praise somebody, I know that other friends are watching. And this will also give them the opportunity to be hired in the future. So I'm, I do it for two reasons. One, I'm really proud of my friends, but I'm also doing it to help promote them so other people can work with them. And I have had friends reach out to various people that because I've promoted them. Beautiful. That's amazing. I you, love uh, that. Is there anything coming up, Dan? Is there anything coming up that, that you can talk about at all? So has Jackie got anything in the pipeline or have you got anything in the pipeline coming up? Uh, for me, I'm just, like I said, really busy with my kids, but yeah. I have lots of friends working on different projects. So I'm always trying to help somebody get something cast or get something funded. Uh, recently, um, I have friends who've made a lot of money and they, they, they've decided they want to invest in independent filmmaking. Oh, no way. So I'm like, okay, I said, get ready, because I have so many friends to connect you with. So these friends who expressed that to me, I'm now sending all my friends with <laughs> various scripts to get them funded. Um, but it's going to take a while, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's exciting whenever I have friends who tell me they want to do that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. I have to keep my heart for those bad boys. I love that. Like, like, like you were saying, you know, that's... that's I love it when people do anything they can to help their friends. Because, you know, you only get one life. Be nice. To, it's a method. This is a, like, a little theme we have running for this whole show is just be nice to each other. Right. You know, and right. if you can help your friends, help your friends because they're your friends for a reason. You yeah. know, and, it, and it's beautiful, beautiful to see someone embodying that. So it's really, it really is an honor to talk to you about that. I, I absolutely love it. Oh, but, thank you. But as we start wrapping up, I did, I did want to, because you say you've been on so many different sets are there any particular ones or for any particular reason whether it be something that's happened like the team you were that stand out just those like cherished memories i have so many but i have to say that working in england (laughs) was has always been a wonderful experience um the people are just so nice and i tell this to everyone i say when i work on a film in england and i can expect everyone to ask how I'm doing. In America, it's like, oh, hi. But in England, it's, have you had a cup of tea? They care whether I had a cup of yes. tea or not. And then they want to have a conversation. Uh, it's, it's very different experience because um, on, a, on an Asian set, people are so busy, you probably don't have much time for chit-chatting because you know uh, everyone's doing multiple jobs, right? And uh, you really get the feeling that it's their livelihood. You know, it's live or die for the day. Um, But in England, it felt like more of a relaxed environment. Uh, People just seem to, um, you know, really take their time to enjoy the experience. However, (laughs) working with Martin Campbell is almost like working on an Asian film set because the director demands everyone be as focused as he is. So when I first arrived on the set, I was surprised how quiet people were because there's often a lot of talking on the set. But no, Martin demands that everyone 
is focused on what he's doing. It seems a little bit strange that he would do that because most films don't, but you, you almost felt like, um, you know, you have this school teacher, you know, trying to make sure that we're all behaving. But later on, I realized it's because it's what helps him focus as a director. And ultimately, we're all there to make a great film. And it really did help, I think, when everyone is paying attention to what is happening on the set. That isn't always the case. In fact, most of the time, it's not the case. There's a lot of socializing that goes on. But on Martin's set, people are all watching him and looking at what he's doing and seeing how they could help and how they could uh, fulfill the needs. But as a result, we got a great film. So I, I do think that kind of, uh, you know, standard can work, you know, if everyone yeah. believes in the vision uh, of the director. But as you were saying about being in England and stuff, that everyone was asking how you were. Uh, we obviously are a very polite nation, so we always have, but we're, like we said, we're never in a rush either. It's always like, you know, let's have a chat. Let's see how you're getting on. I'd like to know more about you, you know. Let's have a cup of tea and we'll just enjoy this for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. That's nice. That's nice to hear. Yeah, I found that people there were so civilised. Um, I've seen really bad behaviour on a film set. Really? Um, I won't say which country, okay. but I have, <laughs> seen, I have seen crew kick um, background performers. And it didn't happen once. It happened several times because oh. they were in their way. They didn't bother to say, excuse me. They just simply kicked them. And what was shocking is that people who got kicked acted like they deserved it because they weren't paying attention. So I've seen that kind of behavior, which is just shocking, shocking. Happy to say I didn't see that ever working in England. Good, good. Good. And the food is excellent. Oh, stop it now. And plenty of snacks, plenty of biscuits. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I love it. Is Martin your favorite director you've worked with? Because you seem to speak very highly of the man. I I just adore him. I do. when I arrived on the set, there seemed to be some, some people who were not so happy and I wasn't sure why, but later on I understood. It was because some people are not used to working with a director who demands everyone give their all, you know? Yeah. Um, most directors focus on their actors and that's it. But not Martin, he sees the whole set. He's watching everybody. <laughs> and if you're chit-chatting, you'll see his finger do this. <laughs> <laughs> thing is he does it kind of like in a tongue-in-cheek way so he's actually kind of funny when he does it but some people may take him you know maybe some people are scared of him but he's just I think a sweet man and I really enjoyed that kind of um respect um uh for the craft because he really cared about what he was doing and he wanted all of us to care too and we should I absolutely agree because that's what gives you a great product then isn't it you get a great product out of it if you're all focused and, you know, paying attention to what's going on? I, I won't say who, but I've worked with directors who are paying attention more to the background girls than they are on their ah. And that's a terrible thing to see because we're all there to work on the film, but the director's eyeing the girls, seeing who he could ask out next. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Terrible. 
So when was the last time he spoke to Jackie, just out of interest? Have you spoke to him since you worked with him last? Uh, I haven't spoken to him in four years, but I know um, I'm close to people around him. So I will send him messages uh, throughout the years um, through his people, like Happy New Year or Merry Christmas or something like that. Or, or sometimes people reach out to me wanting Jackie to promote this product or taste this food, and I'll just send it over to his people to him. Nice. That's cool. Tom, have you got any more questions? I've got up. one more, actually. Did you ever think, Diana, that things would turn out the way they have done? Do you ever think you'd be here today? Not doing at doing? all. No? <laughs> that face no, says because, it all. <laughs> well, first of all, my Chinese isn't very good, right? And so when I went into the interview, I was expecting to speak to a producer. I figured they probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't speak Chinese. They probably wouldn't know whether I was a good speaker or not. But when I saw that it was Jackie, I was shocked because I knew for sure he and his people would know how bad my Chinese was. So I didn't think I would get the job because of that reason. So I was quite surprised when I was hired. Um, and then of course, working on Rush Hour was such a painful experience, painful <laughs> and challenging in every possible way that I for sure didn't think I would see him again after that film. So for me to have worked with him for this period of 20 years on so many projects, um, it is quite a surprise. <laughs> and of course, getting parts in his films, another wonderful yeah. surprise. Incredible. Absolutely amazing. I just had one more quick question. It's just come to mind as you're saying that then. Obviously, you were saying that Rush Hour was so painful for Jackie and learning how to... Was Rush Hour 2 and 3 easier for him coming off that first one, knowing how to deal with these people and work with Chris and whatnot? Yes, uh, part of it is because he was, by Rush Hour 2, he kind of knew what to expect on American film. Um, and he knew the people involved. And he knew how Chris worked, right? Um, <laughs> and he got to know me better. So it was a combination of many different things. And I, he also had more power. So I think that all made it a better experience. Um, but, uh, you know, learning English uh, continued to be a struggle for him for many years. Um, but I would say, you know, it got better throughout. And uh, certainly by the time we made The Foreigner, he saw how hard, um, how much work the director put into the film and how much passion he had for it. He saw Pierce um, working really hard on his character, even when we weren't filming. I think that influenced how much he wanted to give to the film too. Mm. And I think he worked harder to get his lines down and to practice his lines more. Most of the time, he didn't want to practice. And, uh, you know, as time progressed, and especially on that film, he worked really hard to do well. That's amazing. I love that. Diana, this has been incredible. We've had so much fun talking to you and hearing these stories. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so honored to meet you both. And thank you for allowing me to share my stories. It's been amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure. Have, Have you got any plugs, any social medias, anything you want? Any projects, anything you want people to check out who are listening to this? Um, not right now, um, but uh, uh, hopefully uh, I, I can share uh, something in the future. Maybe one day I'll write about my experiences on the film set and turn it into a book yes. or a movie. Who I was going to say, yes, it'd be an amazing book, yes. Genius idea. <laughs> my sister is a director, by the way. Her name is Jude Wang. So... Please check out her film, Finding Ohana. I've heard that name. That sounds familiar. 
the film came out some time ago. Um, Jude does a mostly television, but that was her first film. Wow. Shot in Hawaii. There you go. Incredible. Definitely got to watch that. Beautiful. What a talented family. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you so much, Dana. We Likewise. really, really appreciate it. Take care. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Take and care. You. Thank you very Bye. much. Just amazing. Just awesome, awesome stories. Yeah, and she's tr- true inspiration is to show that, you know, whatever you can put your mind to, you can, because obviously her Mandarin and Cantonese wasn't, you know, where she wants it to be, and she still got hired. It's amazing. I love that story, how yeah. she first got hired. It's absolutely amazing. And towards the end of this interview, you know, she said how, like, if you've got a platform, use it to help others. And we've now been part of that because last week's episode, Diana shared it out and was like, go check out this amazing interview they've done. And I was like, this is awesome. She's she, doing exactly what she said, you know. She just shows it's a lot of love, beautiful. a lot of support. We really, really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Diana. It really does mean the world to us. And we hope you guys enjoy listening to it as we did recording it. Mr. Stevens. Yes, sir. It's audience participation time. All right. It's time to participate in Jamie's Audience Participation Challenge. What has he asked you to do this week? Oh, my brothers. This week, I asked our distinguished listeners, we all have that one thing, as Peter Griffin once described as, grinds our gears. This week, we want to know your pet peeves. What is it? Any particular reason why? Let us know. So, Mr. Stevens, what is your pet peeve, sir? Uh, I've got quite a few. I don't like people who walk slowly in front of me. That annoys the living hell out of me. Um, people that have conversations in uh, aisleways and stuff in shops, like right in the way, like, what are you doing? Um, but I think my biggest one is uh, people who interrupt you to get a point across over yours oh, yeah. drives me mental. Oh, yes. Uh, to be fair, you've now you've got my one and sort of people visit slow walkers. I'm quite a quick walker. So if someone's in front of me slow and they're the people that stand in the middle of the pathway so you can't get to the left or the right of them, my fucking God, I wish owning but, a taser gun was legal at those moments. They find, though, that they, they find they seem to like follow your pattern. It's really weird. You try to go around, but they'll always like creep that way you're trying to walk. It's really odd, I find. It drives me up the wall. I got stuck in it when I was dropped the kid off at school the other day and I was stuck behind three mums walking incredibly slowly, blocking the pathway, nattering away. I was just like, please just let me taser each one of them so they get out of my way. Well, it was quite a weird moment. I meant to mention this earlier when I was walking to work, when I was uh, working at the Albany Road store, which is around the corner from where I live. Um, this woman, I was walking trying to get past her and she started to run like back ahead of me again. And it was really weird. And I started to walk quicker and she looked at me like, why are you walking around me again? And I was like, I'm just going to work. It was just <laughs> yeah. really weird. <laughs> That's just bizarre. Yeah. Right, let's get to it. Joe Smith says, noisy eaters and snot snorters, they make me feel violent. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a fair one. Snot snorters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake Baker. When someone is walking really slowly, so you're ready to overtake them, and then they just stop out of nowhere and you almost walk into them. Yeah, I hate that as well. Yeah. 
<laughs> this one I absolutely love and completely understand it. Keris Mansfield, cold butter that you can't spread and it makes holes in your bread. <laughs> Why are you supposed to leave it on the side? I get it. I get it. In a butter dish. But no, I completely agree with that. Lucy Orchard. If I introduce myself to you as Lucy, please do not reply. Hi, you're loose. It's literally like snap. I say Lucy, so you should say Lucy. <laughs> and I get it because the amount of times I go, hi, my name's Jamie. Hi, James. Did I just fucking say James? My name's Jamie. I don't like being called James. It's not your name, so why would you be I called know, that precisely. Anyway? Baz Black, our good friend. His pet peeve, Tom Stevens. Fucking <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> Why I ought to let me at him, let me at him. <laughs> Gemma Williams, and if anyone listens to her show Talking Codswallop well, knows this one's true. People blow in their noses when you hear the snot hit the tissue. I'd rather people sniff it. Even grosses me out that I have to blow my own nose, but I at least have the courtesy to leave the room. I'm sorry. How good is her hearing? I know, right? How are you hearing the snot hit the tissue? I've never heard that happen. Ever. Nor me. You're a super sensitive. She must have some sort of superpower we don't know about. I think she does. There wow. is quite a few of these, so I'm going to try and get through quick because I had almost 400 replies to this. That's and insane. Some Chris Nesbitt, George Ezra. He just makes me irrationally angry and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. His voice is really annoying. <laughs> Andy Hipgrave. People who walk and don't swing their arms. How? Who walks without swinging their arms? It's not possible to walk with dead straight arms. It takes more effort. Swing your damn arms. Germans and Russians. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's weird. That's just a a straight body walking. It's just odd. Yeah. Fraser Stephen. Old people who can't work in grams. The UK started metricating in the 1960s. You're not arguing you can't learn new stuff at the age of 80. You're arguing you couldn't do it at the age of 20 and have only stayed stupid for 60 years. (laughs) Tish Harding. This is one you'll like. People who write a band up as crap just because they don't like them. Example, I can't stand Coldplay, but they're clearly very good at what they do or they wouldn't be able to sell out stadiums. It's just not my sort of music. I don't like Coldplay either because I generally don't like them. But yeah, I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> this one I've never heard anyone say before and really made me laugh. Barbara McDonald. People that call it the floor when they're outside. It's the ground. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so what she's saying is the floor is inside and the ground is outside. I've never thought of it that way ever. Neither have I. <laughs> and that annoys her. Apparently so. Wow, okay. Interesting. Ori Kimbler, loud chewers. The moment you start smacking your lips, I go into a blind rage. I stop <laughs> hanging out with certain people because I can't eat a meal with them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this one made me roar. Chris Stevens, people who call their dogs fur babies. Get in the fucking sea. Do you know how insane that sounds? Just imagine it the other way around. You have a kid and start calling it a skin dog and treat it like one. <laughs> You'd be locked up. It's a fucking dog. Love it. Cuddle it. Play with it. But don't treat it like a person. Because if you died locked in the house of it, after three days, you are dinner. The dog's not stupid. Brilliant. Absolutely Love brilliant. That. You don't call a baby a skin dog. I was roaring. <laughs> Reese Davis, people who open yogurts and Pringles, etc., but don't completely rip the lid off. 
Yeah, Pringles, I understand. Yogurts, why? Yeah, why are you doing that? Because the Pringles, yeah. you can put the lid back on; it keeps them fresh. Yeah, but you, you don't want to keep a yogurt fresh. You don't eat half a yogurt and put it back no. in the fridge. That's just weird. M. Whitfield, James Corden. Yeah, I get that. There seems to be a lot of people for hatred for James Corden. Paul Fairley, people who use terms like fam, famalam, and hollybobs. <laughs> Stuart Morrison, people who say they give 110%. No, you bloody well don't. That's impossible. Get in the seat. <laughs> and last but not least, Chris Rhodes, people that say, not being funny, but just say it. We know you aren't funny. Also, Adam from Countryfile. Just no reason. He just annoys me. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Just don't watch Countryfile. <laughs> yes, don't watch Countryfile. <laughs> I mean, that's what made me laugh the most. It's like, why are you watching Countryfile? Does people watch that program? Yeah, people, of course they do. Yeah, they absolutely love it. But yeah, I mean, if you don't like them, don't watch. It's like people who complain about um, festival lineups. Don't go, don't go to the festival then. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just don't worry about it. You'd be so, better off. One of the places I post these questions is in the download festival group, and literally someone just went, the download lineup, am I right? Just knowing that people are gonna jump on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, thank you, everybody Absolutely who contributed wonderful. to the participation challenge. We really appreciate all of you. Thank you to Callum for his wonderful treachings. If you love Tom's journal, if you love the interview and love talking about <laughs> at the start of every show, uh, then you'll enjoy the other 17 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast. You'll find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your beautiful little podcasts from. You can also follow us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. You can also find us on YouTube to watch all of our wonderful interviews and our Way Back Wednesdays, hashtag WBW, from our old channels on our YouTube channel at the Chronicles of Podcast. Jamie, do you know where else you can find us? Oh, where? On the Twitter! At TCO Pod or fucking Taco Pod, as Stefan likes to say. Don't know where we got that from. Do you know where else you can find us? Uh, I don't know. On the Instagram ah. at TCO Pod. <laughs> you can also find us on TikTok at TCO Pod. You can also come to us and join us and explore our wonderful website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. You'll find all about us. You'll find all our shows. You will find all our sponsorships as well with Stay Cozy, Syscast, and the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The Chronicles of Podcast. Downloaders, reviewers, raters, sharers, tell all of your friends about us. Allow us into your ears. And most importantly, make sure you pack us with masking tape. That makes sense. Yeah. Not sellotape, masking tape. A little bit more secure. Yeah, absolutely. Another amazing episode. But before we get out of here, we have to say thank you to our friends. Matt Roberts, thank you so much for the amazing music. Sounds beautiful as always. I especially love that little ditty we put under the Sophie Lancaster. Love that one. Uh, Speaking of the Sophie Lancaster Foundation, last week was their Make the Noise. Anyone that saw our posts on social media and went out and checked out this amazing foundation and the amazing work they do, thank you so much. Please continue to throw some support at them. We had a couple of people donate some money, which meant an absolute world. So please continue to go check them out. Mr. Braden Barry, Mr. Stay Cozy, Mr. Say We Can Fly, his amazing clothing line. Don't forget to go to staycozyclothing.com, check out all their wares and enter that The Chronicles at checkout to get your 10% off. And of course, Syscast, Val Toby out at the moment with my good friend here, Mr. Tom Stevens playing the Sheriff King. Go check that out. Every week. 
season two is in production at the moment as well so that'll be coming to your ears soon bounty hunters has been released today uh which is monday uh obviously this is out on a friday so Bounty hands come out on monday so please go check that out and martin mars is currently in production for season two as well um a massive thank you to the sophie lancaster foundation obviously it was sophie the sophie festival in manchester this weekend so if you went to that hope you enjoyed it it looked like it was absolutely incredible and absolute sellout and banging and we uh, are hopefully going to be doing some work with them soon so keep your eyes peeled be kind be nice peace love and hugs and we appreciate all of you every one of our listeners thank you so much jamie it's been another wonderful episode sir it has indeed thank massive thank you to callum treacher as well for the treachings we appreciate those every single week uh and they just get better and better each time we love it guys As for this week, we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye!